I want to talk to you a little bit about seeds. Seeds have the potential to regenerate life. And God sent Jesus into the world and he said, the sower sows the word. So the word, the seed is the word of God, it's said in the Gospel of Luke. So I want you to think about words as seeds and I want you to keep going back to the imagery. How many of you, in fact, have planted a garden or tomato plants or I planted parsley, rosemary, thyme, and basil? And Trace said, that almost sounds like a song. But God planted things. God planted his ideas. He spoke. In fact, I want to look at the idea of Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Let's just look at that right there. While the earth remains... Seed time and harvest. So there will always be seed time and there will always be harvest. And the cycles for us as in our lifespan, you know, we have seed time and we have harvest. For the church world, the sower and the reaper, the Bible says, will rejoice together. There's one verse in the Bible that says that the reaper will outrun the sower. There's some amazing, interesting ideas here. And I think about you young people you're coming into that element in your lives of that strength. The glory of, of young men is their strength. And there's strengthening that's coming to you for you to pay particular attention to the idea of this potential. I love Genesis chapter 1. Can we look at Genesis chapter 1? I, this is a good seed right here. This is powerful. It says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the way he did it is... He said, let there be light, and there was light. Verse, verse 3, verse 4 said, God saw the light and it was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night and so forth, and it was good. He made waters and he made land. In verse 11, this is what I want you to pay particular attention to, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind, with seed in them, and it was so. This is the miracle of creation. This is the miracle of seed time and harvest. This underscores your potential and my potential. Look, if God made trees that bore fruit, that bore seeds, that would bear other trees, that would bear fruit, that would bear seeds, and he bothered to do that in the vegetation department, don't you know he reserved the very best when he said, and let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him be fruitful and multiply. Fruitfulness, multiplication. Again, it increases this possibility and this awareness. It, it, it underscores that we are called to bear much fruit, to be carriers. We're carriers with precious seed in our lives. Johnny Appleseed, the story of Johnny Appleseed always inspired me as a kid. And it wasn't just a myth. This guy literally traveled through the Ohio Valley. He had a big bag of apple seeds, and he, he just took it upon himself to plant trees. He planted seeds. And uh, when I was a kid, you know, in the 60s, it was instant gratification. There was a real culture shift. We had the agricultural world, and then we had the Industrial Revolution, and then we had World War I and World War II. And uh, then came the boomers and came the hope and possibility after the war of all this generation, which is, is one of the, the largest surges of population, and I'm part of that. Then I saw the, the, the sort of drifting of the hippie cultures, particularly where I lived in California. And uh, 
the counterculture thing and the challenging of the original, those espoused values and the belittlement of such. And there was a real crazy, there was a real case of crazy that came on humanity. And it got really dark. And the dark, gross darkness began to cover the earth. And yet the Lord had something in mind and he created a movement and he caused denominational, nominal people that were in denominational groups they came to understand the necessity for salvation and the seed of God's word got birthed in people's hearts and people that weren't saved, they were religious but, some, but not necessarily right with God, they became Christians. And not only that, God introduced this wonderful empowerment and baptism of the Holy Spirit to the Catholics, the Protestants, in my case, the rogue lost people out there just, I was out there not even churched, not even involved in this, I was lost, I was empty, and yet because Jesus is the answer, and I was crying out for truth, God afforded me the privilege of getting to know him. A seed was sown into my life. A guy who had gotten saved spread some seed into my life, and then I got saved. And well, after that, I heard good teaching, and other seeds were sown concerning salvation, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, healing, the necessity to communicate the gospel, And I would suppose evangelism came into my life because I realized the seed that impacted me, God was now giving me an urge to go out and produce and bear fruit. And this is, in fact, what we're called to. So with that, I want to get some things into your spirit to kind of counter the current distortion that's trying to overlay on the collective consciousness of humanity. So my deal right now, just for this moment... I'm going to speak something that Paul the Apostle spoke in the State of the World Address. He had a State of the World Address to the Romans. And I feel like it's a very similar parallel. I'm shifting my gears a little bit. And the seed I want to sow into you is from Romans, the first chapter. And we're going to read verse 14. And we're going to read it through to 32. Because it's seed, it's going to go down in good soil. And in fact, in the Bible it talked about different types of soil in Mark chapter 4. Beside the road, by the wayside, Satan comes immediately to steal it. Stony ground, rocky places, there's no root, so they don't endure for very long, and then the seed gets sown among the thorns, worries, cares, deceitfulness of riches, lust of other things, chokes the word, makes it unfruitful. But then there's a category. We pray to God. He helps us to always be in the right position and good soil. Where they hear it, they accept it, they bear fruit. They're planted, they're rooted, and we become fruitful. Hallelujah. I am preaching the word of God into soil. And I come against the devil who would try to steal it while I'm preaching. I come against the mind-blinding spirits who would try to numb you or distract you. There's nothing more important on your phone right now than this word coming off these pages. Nothing more important that the devil could try to throw at your head to distract you. And God, in fact, has designed me to get your attention so you can get in the word. Hallelujah. So here's Paul. He stands up at the Roman Empire. Very similar to the hippie weirdness. Very similar to the current crazy, self-indulgent, sense of entitlement, bizarreness that we see, at least in our case, in Western civilization. It's gone a little bit whack. And this was the tail end of the Roman Empire 
which you could read about in history, the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, its virtues and its failures. And there was hedonism and there was distortion in their values and it just crumbled. It was idolatry. But God had a cure and it was the gospel. God has the answer for the world today. It's Jesus, the Savior, the healer. And Jesus comes in on the scene and Paul is thrilled. He says, hey, I'm so excited to see you. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 14, he, he's, first he says, I'm so excited to impart a spiritual gift in you. I can't wait to see you so you'll be established. He was so aspiring to go to Rome. He was a Roman citizen, though a Hebrew of Hebrews. He wanted to reach the Roman Empire. He particularly appealed to reach Caesar. He, God used him to reach some strategic situations and produce change in the world. And he said in verse 14, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Before it's all over in your lifespan, you will have spoken to Nicodemus's and to the woman at the well. You will have spoken to a full spectrum of people in existence. And the Lord will use you to reach because he said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Everybody needs to hear the good news. And Paul is thrilled and he says, I'm obligated. I, I'm under responsibility to communicate and figure out how to get this message to as many people in a, as full a spectrum as possible. So church, we must never get so into routine that we become isolationists, we get kind of become sticks in the mud, we, nor are we to be so trendy in order to be relevant that we compromise. We need to be fresh and yet rooted and grounded in the good, stable, sound doctrine and yet current with what the Holy Spirit is doing and yet not moving the ancient boundaries which God has set. Man, that's our obligation, that's our responsibility. So we don't get all churchified, but we also don't get worldly. We just stay on track and stay in the spirit. That's a good message right there. Verse 15, so Paul said, for my part, everybody say for my part. I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I'm eager to get this message over to communicate good news. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, I got to see my mom get saved. She asked me to pray with her. It was wonderful. And uh, Paul is so excited about sharing the gospel. I saw the hippies get saved. I got led to the Lord by a hippie. I saw the hippies get a mid-course correction. And I saw the Lord take hold of those hippies that were rebellious against authority and then give them responsibility to submit to authority. And I watched God heal them of their waywardness. And God can do it again. And in the case with Rome, Paul was saying, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. If you ever want to have a power surge, share the gospel with somebody. If you ever want to see a manifestation of the glory of God, make sure you communicate the gospel with somebody. The other day I put one of these, these pot leaf tracks in my wallet. I had a couple of them in my wallet. We used to pass these out in the 80s and the 70s. And... Uh, so I put it in my wallet and then I ran into a guy and he was from Virginia. And uh, I walked up to him out in the middle of nowhere in a random moment and gave him a track because the Lord put it on my heart to do it. I've got my other one in here. I'm ready for it. Whenever the Lord prompts me, I'm believing God, I'm going to be, be led to the right person because I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And in fact, I told him, surrender to Jesus. He, he was real kind to me. Patsy was there and she, he, we had an interesting interaction. 
the girl he was with, she wasn't that interested, but he was the guy I was on a mission to share with. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not going to back off from it. It's powerful. It's powerful. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Say, I live by faith. Now it says, now I want to get into, are you guys ready for a quick overview? This is Paul the Apostle's state of the world address to the Romans. And this is very strong. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since, now get this, get this. For since the creation of the world, look at these three things. His invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Wow. God has set an aspect of his revelation even in the rudimentary fundamentals of creation. The Bible says the stars declare the glory of God. The firmament declares the glory of God. The psalmist in Psalm 8, David, he said, I look at the moon and the stars. I consider the heavens, your heavens. Remember, God made the heavens and the earth. And he said, let there be light. He made the heaven and the earth. As long as there, the earth remains, there'll be seed time and harvest. David was sitting on earth and he was looking up in heaven and he said, I look at the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. He said, what is man that you're so, you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you've made him a little lower than God and you've crowned him with glory and majesty. You made him rule over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. So God cares about us, he, and we need to consider it. And in fact, he has set this up where he said, look, since the creation of the world, three things, say his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature. Oh, I love these three phrases. When you're a preacher, you find a verse or a phrase or an area of the scriptures that have points like this, that'll preach. I'm always looking for these succinct kinds of phrasings. And I was told in Bible school by one of my teachers that in the Hebrew, they have Hebrew parallelisms. And we don't know this because we're not, Hebrew is not our language. Maybe some of you it is, but he pardons your iniquities, he heals your diseases in Psalm 103. Apparently in Hebrew, it rhymes. You know, and if you watch the poetry of rap music, and then they translate it into another language, it doesn't have the same meter that it did in its original language. So like a French person will take an American rap song and they'll translate it to French, and it doesn't, it's, it doesn't have that same, doesn't even rhyme. Same thing with Hebrew. But yet, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature, man, that is, that'll put a whooping on the devil. His invisible yet real attributes. We serve... And we're to fix our eyes, not on the seen, but on that which is unseen. The way we're to look at the invisible attributes of God. And you could actually, they seep out of creation. God creates the details. And uh, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through that what has been made, so that everybody's without excuse. And even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Wow. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image 
in the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling things. You see this throughout art history. You can see all the Greek and Roman emphasis on the human physique and all the statues, the statuary. Then you go back farther into Egypt and you see all the you know, man with bird heads or lions with you know, human heads and that kind of thing. All these kinds of idols, Diana of the Ephesians, those types of things. It says here in verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity. God gave them over. They said, well, if you want to do it, you could do it. God just said he gave you free will. You could just, just go ahead. So that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged, this is Paul, getting up to speaking into the Roman, the very heart of the Roman Empire. For that matter, the heart of the hippie culture. For that matter, the heart of this present day self-entitlement uh, endeavor to drift from the Christian message. God, there's going to be a revival in the church and there's going to be a harvest amongst the lost and they're going to be addressing these things head on. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. In the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the women and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, let's ignore God now, God gave them over to depraved mind. This is what's happening. This is what happened in the hippie era. It was crazy. It was crazy. I was there. I watched it. Love ends. Stupidity. I remember a guy on LSD offering me to give me his Honda. When I was there, I thought that was wonderful. I'll take your Honda. I was like 12 years old. It was a guy, a guy was all messed up on acid. I'll give you my Honda. And he kept saying over and over to everybody, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It was, it was just a depraved mind. To do those things which are not proper. To do those things which are not proper. There's propriety, and Roman Empire was slipping, and Paul was dealing with it. He wasn't dealing with it by, by, by badgering every one of their areas. He was dealing with it by preaching the gospel and offering the hope of salvation, which is the only thing that's going to create a mid-course correction that's going to make the crooked path straight and set a broken, messed-up life on the right course. So we preach the gospel. We don't badger against sin. We preach righteousness. Right? We don't browbeat people and tell them how bad they are. We communicate how great God is. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And God grants repentance. Repentance is a change that can only occur by God's grace functioning in a person's heart. And God's doing it. And God's doing it right now. Hallelujah. So here we see that God gave them over to a depraved mind being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They were gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And all they knew, although they knew the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Isaiah warned earlier on that in the end, 
people will call evil good and good evil. I remember when I was a young Christian, there was a real issue with people not feeling comfortable with absolutes. I remember, do you guys remember how they resisted that? Like, it's, it's entrenched now. Back then, they were flirting with it, and then now, a couple of generations later of groups, it's just after a while, it's like, oh yeah, no, that's your truth, and that's my truth, and we have different truths. It's like, well, no, truth is truth, error is error. Even if you don't have a black and white personality, God has absolutes. There's an absolute necessity to be saved. And I love how Paul, he just is so thrilled to preach the gospel, and he clarifies this. You know, I don't sense a tone of dismissiveness, of religious haughtiness on Paul. I feel like Paul is preaching this stuff through a broken heart. He's so concerned about how mixed up the world is that he wants to see people be saved so bad. Billy Graham said that his least favorite doctrine was the doctrine of hell. He said he cried when he preached about it. He said he's watched preachers preach like they relished it and thought it was so great. He said it was something that broke his heart, that there was even a possibility of people going to hell for eternity, separated from God. But here Paul lays this out. God has revealed himself. The seeds of creation are still echoing throughout, year in, year out, generation in, generation out. They're declaring the glory of God, his invisible attributes. Moses bought into the invisible attributes of God. And in Hebrews eleven twenty seven, the Bible says Moses actually endured the troubles and hardships of his life, like you and I are invited to, by seeing him who is unseen. This church started in 88. Really, God birthed it. It's, this is one of these churches that's not a church plant. It's just birthed. God birthed it. What God initiates as you trust him and rely on him and you stay zeroed in on his, on his will, he sustains it. He's the author and the finisher. That's why we take pains to pray and make sure we're obeying God. And then we fix our eyes on the things that are, that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. One verse says, I fix my hope on the living God. That hope is the anchor for our souls. And can I just tell you the hippies when we got saved? It was moving because every week at my high school in Southern California, people were being saved to the point where even the, the unsaved kids were noticing. It was a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. God got a hold of a bizarre, and, I, and you know, we went from Ozzie and Harriet to Leave It to Beaver to Father Knows Best to then it started trending to some real darkness. Woodstock, I remember when my dad was reading the newspaper, I was 13 years old. 1969, I was 13 years old. I said, hey, Dad, yeah, I want to go to a concert with Tony. Really? Uh, yeah. It's in New York. He went, how are you going to get there? I said, I'm going to hitchhike. He goes, no. That answer from Dad saved my life. I think I would still be out there in the farm somewhere in New York. Can you imagine that? I wanted to hitchhike from California to New York to go to Woodstock. But I remember how miserable and how empty. Don't you remember that? You know what I think? I think God has taken decades to work some things out of guys like me, people like us from that particular era, to sift out some of those biases and distortions in order that we could be on point for this hour. Because if you study about the Roman Empire, a radical 
move of God occurred amongst them. The Roman Empire came and went, but the kingdom of God is intact, thriving, vibrant. In fact, in my Christian life, I've never seen it this good. I've never seen it this big, this broad-ranging, this high of potential, this marvelous. God has networked us. I've been praying. I prayed for a pastor and his wife and kids the other night. And then yesterday, the Lord let us run into our families synchronized, all of our family. We had our whole family together, and their family was together. We were celebrating birthdays. And uh, I saw this guy. He was disguised with a ball cap and everything. I thought, wait a minute, man. I have good face recognition software. So I, I, I looked at that guy. I saw him. I looked over at him. It was the guy, I just this pastor I just prayed for. So I went over. We had a good hug. And uh, I looked and I thought, as I left, I thought, I just prayed for all these kids. Because I, I have kids that are church kids, preacher kids, and I know what kind of spiritual bombardment. I know how ridiculous the attacks are. And when you think about that, then it's like, well, okay. Well, I think about how crazy the world was. Does this sound familiar, what I just read? Does this sound like this was just written this week? Describing where we're at right now? People ignoring God, calling evil good and good evil. I mean, it is amazing. And it's like, hey, God said, okay, you want to be, I'll give you over to degrading passions, I'll give you over to a depraved mind if that's what you want, and that's what we see. However, the gospel is the seed. The seed, the word of God, the seed of the word of God can enter into a heart. We can pray that it won't be on the side of the road, on the wayside, it won't be a side issue. I ran into a man out of state. I came in contact with this guy. It wasn't my time to talk to him. I prayed for him, and I'm praying for him now. He's in a moment where he can get saved. It would be good for him to get saved. And I just, I realized, in fact, I was talking to my son-in-law, Steve. He said, well, he probably would have rejected the word of God at that point, but maybe now he would be open. He would be open. And I am praying for that guy to get saved. Because uh, there's only one sin we don't pray about, that sin of unpardonable sin. This guy has not committed the unpardonable sin. He just committed a bunch of heinous sins, but he could be saved. And listen, by the way, church, we must love the sinner and believe God for their salvation. Right? And not get all uppity, but really hunker down and believe God for our generation not to deteriorate under our watch. For lost souls not to drift off into oblivion, but to come back to Jesus. To come to Jesus and land, get up on the shore and splash up on the out of the lostness and the quagmire of lostness up onto solid footing. How many of you have ever been rescued out of the pit, out of the miry clay and been put up on the rock? I was watching with Addison, we were watching the news, and these guys, a lady was holding a baby standing by the, the red lava. She said, why are they standing there, Dad? I said, it's morbid curiosity. The world is flirting with disaster. That's what happened with Rome. That's why Paul said, I'm so excited that I get to go see you, that I can impart a spiritual gift and make a meaningful difference. So then I think about how lost we were when we were kids and how saved we got. And I thought about churches like ours who had developed and walked with God for a while and had some people of different dimensions of time serving God who knew how to pray. And they prayed us lost punk kids out of the pit. And that's why we can do it again. And so this is the seed I want to sow in your hearts tonight. The seed for recognizing that the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes.
My brother was lost, but he was open. And uh, he, God sent a guy to talk to him about Jesus at the Dunkin' Donuts on Manchester Road. His name was John. Talked to my brother. My brother opened his heart and asked Jesus into his life. And I could tell verifiable change in my brother's life. I knew Joe. Joe was really a good, sweet guy. But we all know that goodness and sweetness doesn't get us saved, including Joe. Joe knew that. Joe got saved out of being a nice and good and committed. He was in our church two years before he got saved. That's one of the reasons I love this church. Because it's wherever people are at, whosoever will, let them come. Right? And so we can be that people. We can be the people that we, we adhere to, rigidly follow hard after God, and yet always bearing in mind accessibility and availability to that next person, that person that's out there that's lost and that needs to be saved. Right? The word is not imprisoned. It's going to go forth in power. And all the haters... The insolent, the arrogant, the boastful, the inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, and so forth. God can and will address them and turn them completely around. Because his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made. One thing we have going for us, according to this verse, is there is an automatic, constant testimony of the gospel permeating throughout eternity in the very existence itself. Creation is declaring aspects of the glory of God. It's the lowest form of revelation, but it's God's revelation. President Kennedy was buried, and they put a perpetual flame to honor his, the fact that he was who he was as, in his position as president. By the way... He was president. We honor that. We honor the position. We honor the office. We honor the office. Yet here it says there'll be haters, disrespectful, wicked. And we see that. So the, do, what do we do? Christians, are not, are, we are not in a message of evacuation. We're not in a message of escapism. We're not like, it's not dismissive us and them. Well, Pastor Jeff, the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. It does. But it also says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Same Bible. Same Bible, right? That means separate ourselves from all this filth, endeavor to walk humbly with God. And by the way, I want to say something about the nature of the accuser, about the devil. He'll tempt you. He'll say, hey, why don't you just drink a beer? Why don't you have three beers? Why don't you have a case? Wow. And, you say, and then after you finish the case, you say you're a Christian? The same one that baited you into the beer then condemns you for the beerology. He'll tempt you into the sin and then he'll make you feel so bad. Listen, you know the best place to go after you sin? To the altar and ask God for mercy and grace. The next pl best place, go to church. Just don't tell anybody. There might be a religious person there that'll lay some condemnation on you. Hopefully not here. Hopefully not here. And by the way, we don't take a light view on it. We're not the Holy Spirit Jr. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, and he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Everybody say seed time and harvest. Okay, so now here's the deal. I want you to speak God's word over your life. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Job said, decree a thing, and it will happen. Jesus said, command these mountains to be removed. 
As did in Zerubbabel's day, Zechariah, with shouts of grace, grace, we command mountains to be removed. Let's believe God. Additionally, let's get sharp and ready to communicate the love of Jesus to the world around us. Two areas of action items, okay? You ready? Practice and be led by the Spirit and consider how to encourage each other, okay? And none of us want to be glib and none of us want to overpraise and none of us want to be perceived as patronizing. We don't want to miss it. But we also don't want to hold back so much that we never share. We need to share. We might as, might as well express love while we're alive. And pray for people. When you hear about people going through trouble, instead of going, oh, I would hate to be them. Because I've seen that. I've seen people, however, when I've gone through battles, they've really gotten genuinely concerned and they stood and prayed with me and believed God. That's a big deal. When you know you've got somebody that really cares in your corner, it can nudge you over one more day to keep fighting the good fight of faith. This guy I talked to when I gave him that pot leaf track, I said, I wasn't implying, hey, I think you're smoking weed. Uh, maybe he was, but I said, hey, this isn't actually about weed, it's about Jesus. But I, I want you to read it. And he was like, he never said a word to me. He was like, he was stunned. And then I realized, I bet he's got a mom or an aunt or a cousin or somebody praying, or a sister or brother praying for him, a dorm, somebody from his college or something. But he got really touched by God. And then the, I, I walked away from him, and then I came back, and I saw him there still, and the Lord, the Lord said, don't, don't get up, don't smother him, don't get up in his face, just go back to the car. So I went back up to the car where Patsy was relaxing, getting some sunshine, and the winds, windows open. And I got back in the car, he came back around, and he saw me, and I saw him. He walked across the street, shook hands with me, and then I was able to deliver the rest of the word I had for him. Surrender your life to Jesus. He just looked at me again. And then uh, who knows what will come of it. All I know is this, this incorruptible seed. We might as well sow it. Not obnoxious. Look, I like what Jerry Savelle said. I want to learn to share Jesus effectively in a non-threatening way. And I think that's such an elegant way to put it because none of us want to be perceived as religiously flaky or weird or goofy. We don't want to be heavy-handed. But we also, look, there's a scripture in Ezekiel that if somebody's going to hell and we don't tell them, I'm bad, my bad, you know, kind of a thing in the Hebrew. So we've got a responsibility. And that's why Paul said, I am a debtor to the barbarians and the Greek. I'm under responsive obligation. And woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. So I believe, listen, Patsy and I are believing God all the time. Our church will be that environment where when you guys, when we come together, we get a breakthrough. We stand together. We stand and worship God. This is how we fight our battles. We, we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Having done all to stand, we stand. And we are a culture of the redeemed with the, who love Jesus. And we love each other. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. And we're not even so full of self-loathing anymore. We're not prideful, but we're not putting ourselves down. Our self-esteem is healed because God must love us so much. And we trust God for that. So then we get our kids in here. And you raise them and you train them up in the way they should go. And they see their mom and dad just enduring and walking with God. And you, you know, they watch you and they go, you know, I want that Jesus. We as parents can't make you do that. We don't want to do that. But we, we don't want you to drift off and just live, just li live lost. You know, we were witnessing to some people 
and a guy, I was, this guy was starting to open up to me and it was a really thrilling moment and a guy came and a dysfunctional kid, you know, this was crazy. You gotta watch who you go witnessing with. Repent, you're going to hell. And it just shut the guy, the guy closed his heart into conversation. You know, the Lord is gonna bring that conviction, that, that adjustment into our generation because we're plumb ready for it. But So let's lift our hands. We're, we're not gonna be the imposers of it, but we're, we're also to be watchful and vigilant and be ready for it. So Lord, may we be a place that produces healing in people's lives. May Jesus be exalted here. May each man, woman, and child in this room go out with precious seed. These are trees that produce fruit, that contain seeds, that produce trees, that bear fruit, that contain seeds, constantly creative, constantly processing, constantly bearing fruit. Lord, I thank you for this.